The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. the truth I long to see. God said one day I'd be free. All trying led to failure. That's when I heard him whisper all of Jesus, none of me. All of Jesus, all of Jesus, all of Jesus, none of me. had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons of God, 
He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit that calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Almighty God, as we come to this sharing time on Pilgrim's Progress today, I ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. I ask that you'd make clear to us in our personal lives what the fullness of time is for us before your throne. The fullness of time, almighty God, our heart longs for it. For the coming of your Holy Spirit in power, for the breaking of everything of darkness, every chain of bondage. Lord, we long for the coming of your Spirit, and we long for the day you come and split apart the clouds and the skies of heaven and come down and reign and rule over us. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Pardon me, I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm greatly comforted today by the, the concept found throughout Scripture of when the fullness of time, then God came. When the fullness of time came. In other words, God is the initiator, not me. I'm the one who submits to him. I'm the one who places my trust in him. This last Friday and Saturday, we went to Pennsylvania. We buy from a farm co-op. We send the order in and they deliver it to a local area. And we go and pick up the farm produce, milk, cheese, beef, vegetables, all kinds of of wonderful things, eggs, duck eggs. So this was their annual farm day. We'd never been to it. We wanted to go. And so we found our way up to the Lancaster area, the Amish. Ben is the and Anna, they're the Amish couple that run this whole operation, and their son Daniel, a wonderful young guy, who, with his wife, is more and more taking over as dad gets a bit older. But there was there a woman, and I insulted her, but not intentionally. Let me tell you what happened. This dear woman had two sons, And we were told that she had them vaccinated as the doctors directed. And they had an adverse reaction to that vaccination. And they ended up not being able to function normally. She came to the farm day with her son, one of the sons. He's now grown into a handsome young guy, probably 16 to 18 years old, I'm not sure. 
he was not able to function normally. He was like he had a small child's mind. I watched as she took care of her son. She was attentive in every respect, making certain in that hot weather that she had hydrated him with drinks, then feeding him, making sure he was well-nourished. No sign of impatience, no sign of bitterness, no sign of anger. Kindness. Absolute submission to what her situation was. Putting her son ahead of herself. How did I insult her? Well, on Saturday as we were getting to leave, I went and spoke with her. She had become a precious person in my heart. And I said to her, you will have a very rich reward in heaven. And she immediately took it that I was saying to her that she was a victim. Look how she was spending her life on this son. And so she mounted a very pleasant but kind defense of how wonderful her son was and how much she enjoyed taking care of him, how special he was to her. I was thrown off because I had not meant in any respect to insult her by telling her that she was some kind of victim having to take care of this young man. That was not my intention. But I was caught flat-footed, and and finally all I was able to say was, the face of Jesus is imprinted on your face. What did I mean? that peace that only comes from understanding who Jesus is, that face that only comes from enduring much suffering and sadness, and yet having the victory and submitting entirely to Jesus, not being self-serving, not being full of herself and her desires and her needs, She had learned that very, very important lesson to put others ahead of herself and not to demand that she have this or have that, not to demand that she be treated a certain way. I couldn't explain all that my heart was saying. I knew I had accidentally insulted her. So I just thanked her for her kind witness in her her face, the face of Jesus. Later, as I was praying about it, I asked the Lord, please erase my unintentional insult to her. Let there be no sting in her heart because I looked at her as a victim because she was anything but a victim. She was, she was a victor in every respect of the word. She was a beautiful, beautiful woman because of her face, the face of Jesus. I don't know how old she is. She was somewhere probably in late 50s, early 60s. She had borne the weight of caring for her children, two sons, autistic, 
suddenly changed from healthy babies into babies that couldn't function. She had borne the weight of that with no bitterness in her heart. Now, I'm, I am very sure that at some point in her life, she was extremely angry about what happened to her boys. I'm sure at some point she was desirous of some revenge. I'm sure at some point she said, Why me, O oh God? Why did this happen to my boys? But by the grace of Jesus, she had moved past all of that self and had been crucified with Jesus Christ. Somewhere she'd been able, by the power of the gospel, to move beyond the sorrow of her heart and claim those boys for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus and treat them with such love and kindness and mercy pouring out her life, the very life energy she has poured out for her children. She is to me a heroic figure, not because she's a victim, because she's not. She transitioned from being that victim to being a complete victor in Jesus Christ. And this is what often happens with people who suffer. Growth comes through suffering. Growth comes by walking in that dry desert until we think we can't go one step further. We want to end that desert life right now. And sometimes we become angry and bitter because we can't stop the desert life. In the fullness of time, Jesus came. Galatians, the third chapter. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different from a slave, although he owns a whole estate. He's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. It's this time of, of serving in that slavery condition that finally the word says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out, Abba, Daddy, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. This precious woman is a son of God. In other words, there's no distinction here between men and women. Paul has just gotten through saying, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This precious woman has already moved into her place as an heir of Abraham, calling the father, 
daddy, not a slave. What I'm hoping you will catch, what I'm hoping you will catch is that in the midst of being a slave to your circumstances, if you will not rebel, if you will walk with a submissive heart, not fighting, not saying, this is not what I deserve. This is not how life is supposed to be. I'm angry. I'm going to fight for what's my right. That's not the way of Christ. He went before the He went before the crucifiers as a lamb. He did not respond with bitterness and anger. He instead chose submission. Submission to the Father. This dear woman, when you look at her face, it's a face that is so gentle, so strong, so loving. You know she's been through it. She's been through the wilderness, the desert, the anguish of heart. And she has gladly spent herself for a child of God. And in the fullness of time, the Lord will reward her. Not because she's a victim, because she's not, but because she's gained the victory and become like Christ. And Christ now dwells in her. I wish I had time to talk about all the beautiful people we met. Cheryl and her husband Larry and her son Sam and They were favorites of ours, and Ben and Anna, and all the others that we met. But the one most striking, I don't even know her name. She had the face of Jesus, the face of an angel. Because she knew, in the fullness of time, her son would be made well and she would be released. Not that she's asking to be released. Not that she's serving against her will. She's chosen the noble part, the good part. In the fullness of time, God comes and he moves in our lives. In the fullness of time, I received a letter yesterday. I want to I want to read it for you. Pastor Ray. Jesus is Lord exclamation point. I would like to be crucified with Christ. I am learning to trust and wait on the Lord. I know there is a burning desert, but God will send water to refresh my soul. Love in Jesus the Rock. And enclosed was an offering for the gospel of Jesus. I read that letter and I said, The Lord Jesus loves her. And right now she's walking through the desert. 
but in the fullness of time. She will find a rock in the desert that pours forth water and refreshes her soul, and that rock will be Jesus in the fullness of time. Now, if you're catching something that I've not said very directly yet, and that is that God holds your life in his hand. And his timing is perfect in your life. And he is the initiator, not you. It's not for you to be the initiator of your life. It is God who is the initiator. He is the one who moves in power. He is the one who opens and closes doors. And a door that he opens, no man can close. And a door that he closes, no man can open. And it's always done in the fullness of time. It's always done with the wisdom of God, knowing what it will take for the face of Jesus to be implanted in your face. Because when we behold him, we shall be like him. And we shall see him as he is. What do you look like today? Do you look like bitterness and anger. Your face looks like what's in your heart. Are you arguing for your money? Are you arguing for your position? Are you arguing that you are free and just as good as anybody else and you're not going to sacrifice yourself? You're not going to submit anywhere. You're going to be the ruler. Is that your heart? I'll be honest, is that your heart? Are you angry and cynical and bitter? Is your heart growing hard? What is the condition of your heart today? I want to show you something in the book of Luke. I'll begin with chapter 1. I'm going to I'm going to just read some of this for you. Would you just settle back and relax and and don't go anywhere but just listen. This is God's word. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God, He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Do you get the picture? Here's a man who walks upright in the sight of God. He observes the commands of God. He observes all the regulations of the Jewish faith. He is blameless before God. 
as is his wife. But they have no children. And they're now old. And he has prayed for years that they could have a child, and God has not answered them. God answered Abraham. God answered Isaac. Why is God not answering him? He doesn't understand. In the fullness of time, God will give them a son. In the fullness of time, God moves according to his plan, according to his will, to accomplish what he purposes. So we've got to forget about our own individual goals and desires and ambitions and turn back and say to the Lord, what is it you want with me, Lord God of heaven? A dear brother said to me last night, I've been asking the question, what is the purpose of my life? I didn't answer that question. He needs to struggle with it, and he knows the answer. But I will answer it for you. The purpose of my life is to bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only purpose of my life, to honor the Lord Jesus with my obedience and my waiting upon him and my doing exactly what he tells me to do when he tells me the way he tells me. That's how I bring honor and glory to his name, by obedience, by submitting. You know, I I talk to some people who are very proud and arrogant, and they have an agenda to get ahead in life. They're not going to submit to anyone. They're going to demand that they be paid what they want to be paid. They're going to demand that life has to be like they want it to be. They're not going to have any mutual submission between husband and wife. Some wives refuse to recognize that the husband is the head of the house, not as a dictator, but as a benevolent leader, even as Jesus was. But that's what the scriptures say. But this infection of Eve spreads into the heart of man and woman. It is a deception. It's a refusal to recognize that we wait upon the Lord and the Lord will deliver us. And in the fullness of time, God will come. In my life, I'm soon going to have my 74th birthday. The Lord told me when I was nine or ten years of age in a vision that my ministry would not begin until the latter part of my life. And then later my mother confirmed it. She was not prophetic. It's the only prophetic thing I think I ever heard my mother say. She said to me very seriously, Raymond, your ministry will not begin until the latter part of your life. She knew I wanted to be a pastor. She said this shortly after I had that vision. It was confirmation. Well, here I am. On July 15 of this year, I will hit my 
74th birthday. In September, I will have been a pastor full-time for 50 years. And now, will I believe the Lord that in the fullness of time he is going to send revival in Washington, D.C.? Because that's what he promised me. That's what I saw a vision of, full-blown revival. People weeping before the Lord, convicted of their sin, turning from darkness, becoming penitent followers of Jesus who would submit to his will. So now I'm faced with a very exciting decision. And that decision is, will I wait for the fullness of God's time? Even though I'm now pushing 74 years of age, I can tell you unequivocally what my answer is. I will wait upon the Lord and he will bring forth in his glory, in the fullness of time, he will bring forth his will. And I eagerly wait for his will. I pray that in these 74 years that the face of Jesus has been imprinted on my face because all I want is to be like Jesus and filled with his spirit, walking in him in every respect, being made like him. Some time ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, Let the Holy Spirit make you into a new man. I cried out eagerly, Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and make me a new man. This is more than a year ago. I pray he's finishing that work in me. See, I don't have any any ambition, any goals. I don't have anything I have to do in this world except follow Jesus and be filled with his presence and let the peace of God rest in my heart and walk in obedience and righteousness and holiness before him by, by the bloodshed of Calvary. Now in this story, when the fullness of time came, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that is to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. You know what the altar of incense is. It's where the prayers of God's people ascend. The Old Testament tells us that the altar of incense was right in front of the curtain that represented the body of Jesus. On the right-hand side was the table of showbread, the children of Israel laid out as the food of God. On the left-hand side was the candelabra, the presence of the fire of the Holy Spirit. So he's standing there prepared to offer the incense on the altar, the prayers of God's people. And Zacharias saw the angel of the Lord. He was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. 
your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is what the angel said to Zechariah. And of course, he's picking up on the story that is outlined for us in the book of Malachi. 400 years earlier, there has been no prophet. There's been a a mighty Maccabean who rose up to judge and to deliver, but no godly prophet. 400 years, God's been silent. But now finally, in the fullness of time, he sends the angel Gabriel to announce to to John or to Zechariah that he would have a son. He would name him John and he would be the Elijah to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, Zechariah, it shows his heart. He asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. He does not believe the word of the Lord to him. He has waited so long in the prayer closet to have a son, and now he's old and it's impossible. His wife is dried up. He's an old man, and they're going to have a son? Everything in his logical mind says this is impossible. I'm just struck today to ask you, at the direction of the Holy Spirit, have you given up? Have you endured much pain and suffering? Have you endured the desert? Have you been caught up in all of the things of the world, the flesh and the devil? Have you given up on ever being truly one with Jesus Christ? Is your heart filled with bitterness, rage, or cynicism? Whatever your heart condition, I want to tell you today, today is yet the day of salvation. Hebrews, the third chapter, the fourth chapter. Today is that day. Today is the Sabbath day of rest for you to enter into salvation in Jesus Christ. And in the fullness of time, he will come and hear your prayers and he will answer. He will refresh you from the rock that Moses struck in the wilderness. We know that rock represented Jesus. And a great river flowed out of that rock that fed the thirst of a million-plus people and all the livestock. Our God is not small. Our God knows the cry of your heart. And in the fullness of time, he will come and he will deliver you. He will grant you the fullness of your heart. Don't give up. Don't become a victim. Don't be angry. Don't cut off 
don't judge with wicked words and harsh words. Don't be self-centered. Don't be entitled to something. Instead, lay down your life freely. Let God be your provision. Let God bring the money to you that is necessary. Trust our Father in heaven, our Daddy. Trust our Savior, Jesus, that in the fullness of time, He will come and He will deliver you. Now the angel, the angel Gabriel answers, and I think he answers with a little bit of attitude, if you please. He said in wonderment, I am Gabriel. How can you question me? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. In the fullness of time, these words will take place. Has God made you many promises? Oh, God has made me so many promises. Most of those precious promises were made for you and for this city. And I stand by faith that these promises will be fulfilled with the pouring out in the fullness of time of the Holy Spirit in power, in conviction of sin, in righteousness. That the hearts of men and women will repent and turn away from their wickedness and their hardness of heart. And they will submit to Jesus. And they will submit to each other. In the fullness of time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. So because of his unbelief, the angel Gabriel said, you will no longer be able to speak until these things come to pass. In other words, Zechariah, you have not believed my word, and you're not going to go out and sow unbelief in the hearts of God's people. You're not going to go speak with your wife and sow dissidence in her heart and unbelief in her spirit. So you're going to be quiet. You're not going to talk. I suspect that Zachariah was a talker. Oh, are you a talker? What would happen if God just shut your mouth and said, you're not going to talk anymore until my promises come to pass? Sometimes I wish he'd do that to me. but he's called me to speak a word of encouragement to you, an honest word of confrontation with your sin, with your entitlement, with your refusal to submit to his will. He's called me to speak with great gentleness and kindness to those of you who are walking in faith and victory, 
and to assure you that Jesus is going to send forth the spring of living water and he will take your thirst away and he will feed you. Remember, he said, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. Get closer to Jesus. Get closer to Jesus. And the closer you get, the more you will be fed and the more you will drink and the more you will rejoice in Jesus. Don't believe the Zacharias that nothing's going to happen and that you're always going to be caught in this trap and you're always going to be struggling. Not true. In the fullness of time, the deliverance of God will come unto you. Will you trust him? When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. The Lord has done this for me. And she could have said, in the fullness of time, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month, do you notice the timing, the historical positioning of all of these words? It's in the fullness of time. Six months later, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary is greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting might this be? In other words, what's he talking about? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary, she believed what the Lord said, but now she needed practical details. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Well, now she's in trouble. She's just discovered that she is going to be pregnant, but not by her husband-to-be, Joseph. She is going to be pregnant with child. And what will people think? And what will people say? 
That's not first on her mind, but she's frightened. The scriptures say at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She didn't want to talk to Joseph about this. How could she explain to Joseph that she was going to be made pregnant by God? Joseph, is he going to believe this? Probably not. Will her family believe this? Probably not. When she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said in her will be accomplished. Glory. Glory to Jesus that Mary would believe the angel and would stand by faith. Yes, she fled to Mary. She needed her, she needed her blessing. She needed her love. She needed to hide with Mary for a bit until she was confident of what was happening. This was a great affirmation. And now Mary, in response by the Spirit, breaks out and says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done things for me, great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Glory be to the Lord God, our Father. Glory be. In the fullness of time, God came and spoke to Zechariah. In the fullness of time, God came and spoke to Mary and then impregnated her by the Holy Spirit with a baby. The Son of Man, fully God and fully man, God now was coming to abide and live among his people and demonstrate for us the glory of the Father the righteousness, the holiness, but most of all to demonstrate the love he has for us. And so he came, was born in a manger, and all beheld him. Herod tried to kill him. God delivered him. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then she returned home and she knows that as she returns home 
she's going to have to deal with the man she's engaged to. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, the people were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said to his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. No, he lived in the desert until the fullness of time came. And then he began to proclaim, The Savior Jesus is among you. I hope you're catching today's broadcast, the inner meaning, the deeper meaning that everything is based on on the initiation of God. Are you willing to allow God to initiate in your life only that which he wants to initiate and give up all initiation on your part? You remember in Genesis, the devil said, you shall be like God. In other words, you're going to be the initiator now in your life and in your world. I utterly reject that. There used to be a saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Wrong. If it's going to be, it's up to God. It's up to his initiation. Will you trust him? 
Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the National Prayer Chapel. I would love to hear from you. We're coming to the end of the of the month, and we're to pay the full radio bill, and we don't have that money in hand yet. If you'd like to contribute and help keep this broadcast on the air, would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage. The broadcast from today will be online tonight. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online as well. nationalprayerchapel.com Oh Lord, I plead today for your mercy for every person listening to this broadcast. Would you in the fullness of time deliver them in the desert? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Again, I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining this broadcast. God loves you. Go and be blessed in his name. I'll talk to you soon. His glory with great joy. Christ.